Welcome to the Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for checking into the Nun Report here this Monday. It's always good to come off the weekend. I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. Although I had a little bit of a a setback with my back Uh, last Thursday. I was lifting a five-gallon bucket of sealer on my driveway and uh, tweaked my low back a little bit. But not where my surgical site is, down below that. Hopefully it's okay. I'm heading into my chiropractor tomorrow to get fixed up. But uh, other than that, it was a great weekend. Weather was great here in Seattle, Washington, north of Seattle. Actually, I don't live in the down in the shithole itself, but um, I'm, I'm up, 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 up a ways from there. So anyhow, look, I am, I don't know about you. I, uh, I'm going to talk about a few things today. I'm going to talk about, obviously, I, I am sick and tired of having a president and an administration that puts America last, that in fact says that putting America first is a bad thing. And I'm going to cover that. Ron DeSantis' campaign is over, man. He just called, he had his basket of deplorables moment, uh, like Hillary Clinton did, calling MAGA Republicans who check truth social first thing in the morning to see what Trump said, listless vessels. So, hello, fellow listless vessels. I'm glad that you joined me today. And, uh, I'll wear that. I'll wear that. Sure, I'm a deplorable. I'm a listless vessel, whatever you want to call it. Ron DeSantis' campaign is done. I don't know how you could run a campaign any worse into the ground than what they have done, but somehow they've managed to do it. Somebody who was a promising candidate, somebody who thought perhaps could uh, be the heir apparent to Trump, or actually people thought he was the heir apparent to Trump. Now, I don't know if he's heir apparent to the garbage man, but we'll see. Uh, there's, there's a lot of time left to go. We're going to talk about the debate that's coming up as well as the Tucker Carlson interview with Donald Trump, which I understand has already been recorded, but they're going to wait till Wednesday to put it out uh, at the same time as the debate. Interesting. I think very Trump-esque, very something that you would expect from Donald Trump and his personality. COVID scare is coming back. Maybe we'll touch a little bit on what you think or some ideas on What's going to be the 2024 steal? Aside from the obvious, which is keep Trump tied up in court and hopefully eliminate him from the election process. Aside from that, what is the election steal, man? Is it going to be another pandemic? Is it going to be COVID 2.0? Is it going to be aliens landing? I mean, there, there's got to be something that they're going to do to try to, to get people to stay home and vote by mail and run their whole scam over again. Now that they found out what it was like. But let's go ahead and kick things off here. Like I said, I am tired of having a president of the United States of America, the greatest country on earth, the greatest country to ever be on earth. I'm tired of having a president that puts America last. And I'm going to go through a few examples of how Biden puts America last. But before we do that, let's listen to Biden himself say that he puts America last. His America first policy, walking away from the rest of the world is made us weaker, not stronger. So an America first policy has made us weaker, not stronger. He doesn't believe in America. He doesn't believe in the Constitution. Certainly doesn't believe in the Bill of Rights. This guy is a straight up tyrannical communist. Okay? These extreme commie Democrats, they don't care about this country. They want to remake this country. Obama said it. He wants to transform the country. And they're doing it. And they're using Saul Linsky's rules for radicals just every step of the way. And they're not even hiding it anymore. But there it is, right from Biden's mouth, that putting America first is bad for the country. What say you, Clint? What a load of shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's see. What, what, and how, how does he put America last? Why don't we take a look? Why don't we take a look at Bidenomics? Is If you take out the numbers on jobs that were just people going back to work after the COVID pandemic, if you take that out, and this is according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. This is a government source, okay? This is not a Fox News source. This is not some other you know, source or statistical site that's out there. This is right from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So if you remove all of the people that simply went back to work, after COVID, these are the numbers. Jobs created, 2.1 million for Biden, 4.9 million under Trump. 
manufacturing jobs, plus 204,000 under Biden, plus 454,000 under Trump. 30-year mortgage rates, currently 7.51% under Biden, and under Trump, they were 2.65. So you tell me, does putting America first make America weaker? Because that's what Biden is selling. It looks to me like putting America first makes it stronger and putting America last, like Biden does, makes it weaker. How are we putting America last? Well, I don't know. 70,000 people, Ukrainians killed in action so far, 120,000 wounded, 500,000 casualties, both sides combined. Death and destruction because of the escalation, all paid for and brought to you by the Biden administration who allowed it to happen and paid for by the U.S. tax dollar. Yay. This is what happens when you put America last. What happens? What else happens when you put America last? How about this? Remember this? Remember what I said about Afghanistan? I said Al-Qaeda would not be there. I said it wouldn't be there. I said we'd get help from the Taliban. What's happening now? What's going on? Read your press. I was right. And now as American diplomats rush to shred embassy documents and escape, it seems shocking that President Biden could have been so wrong. President Biden's decision to pull the U.S. out of Afghanistan led to the collapse of its government, its military, the death of 13 Americans, and it left tens of thousands of Afghans hoping to escape. Girls over 12 can no longer be educated. It is one of the darkest moments of the Biden presidency to date. It was one of the darkest moments in American history to date. And Joe Biden was 100% responsible for this one, 100%. And he won't own it. He doesn't own anything. Yeah. It was more than 13 Americans that died. And we remember them. But it's more than that. People are still over there dying to this day. Because the Biden administration abandoned them. Because we left allies behind because we left people that had worked with us behind people that couldn't get on flights when they were coming out of the, the airport you remember the, the scenes of people hanging on an airplane trying to get out chaos utter chaos you remember a helicopter evacuating people from the embassy kind of like we did during Saigon what else does putting America last bring us well it brings us Kamala Harris that's for sure what does Kamala have to say now? One year ago, President Biden and I made the largest climate investment in America's history. And this work was designed to dramatically expand solar and wind energy production, to lower energy costs for working families, and to put millions of electric vehicles on the road, including thousands of electric school buses. so that Including school buses? What is it with her and school buses, man? Did she ride the short bus? I mean, she's like, did she lose her virginity on a bus? I mean, what, what is it with her and school buses? Because I swear, man, she has, there's, a, there's somebody made a, a, a super clip out there of it. I should have pulled that up, but that's not what this show is about. But man, her and school buses. That of course, our children, can have clean air to breathe. And it is with these investments that we are clear. We are creating millions of good paying, clean energy jobs. Bullshit. We are rebuilding America's manufacturing and we are driving American innovation. No, you're sending money over to China to build blades for your windmills and panels for your solar fields while you're destroying tens of thousands of acres of land to do it while you put those in place, killing birds, killing sea life, and just exporting all of the carbon footprint over to other countries that mine all the material for your nonsense. It's not about global warming, people. If, if we could just, we'll make our country cleaner by just transferring our carbon production over to other parts of the world. That's what's happening. That's what happens when you put America last. What else happens when you put America last? Well, this happens. Reportedly, selling off parts of Trump's unfinished border wall for approximately $2 million, all in a plan to block 
the GOP's plan to try to use it. Yeah, the move leaving lawmakers sounding off. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton telling the New York Post, leaving the border open to terrorists while selling border security materials at a loss is Bidenomics in a nutshell. Here with reaction is Sunday Morning Futures anchor Maria Bartiromo. Maria, good morning. This story made me want to, like, you know, explode. It's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, good morning, Rach. It's absolutely true. And the real uh, comparison to look at is the fact that you're talking about $2 million uh, of revenue from this. And in fact, this is $300 million in value. This is taxpayer money. I mean, the problem here is that it once again underlines the fact that this administration does not care about taxpayers' dollars. They'll spend whatever they want and they will leave equipment on. This is another example of putting America last. This is what happens when you have a communist in the White House, someone who wants to rule this country, somebody who doesn't, who just wants to take all of your money because after all, it's not yours, it's theirs. You only get to keep what they allow you to keep. That is their belief system. $300 million worth of border wall they, that they put on hold. The materials were already on site. They were delivered. They were staged in staging areas ready to be put up. And they sold them for $2 million at auction, government auction site. Losing $298 million. Now, they also lost a ton of money by paying to store it for the last three years. So it's uh, this is, again, an example of what happens when you put America last. It, it, it's insane. What could, what could possibly go wrong? Speaking of the border, I mean, we have a wide open border. Over 7 million people, illegals, have come into this border. About a third of those are gotaways. We have no idea where they came from, what their purposes are, why they're here. There's child sex trafficking going on. There's human trafficking of all kinds going on. People are risking their lives to get here. But it's not just people from Central America. Very few people from Mexico are coming. It's not just people from Central America. It's people from Asia. In fact, it's people from China. Border Patrol records records 800% increase in Chinese illegal aliens. Between October 22 and July 23, there were roughly 17,700 illegal alien encounters with Chinese nationals along the border, compared to just 1,970 in all of fiscal year 2022 according to the data. And in March, CBP sent memo exclusively obtained by Daily Call Caller News Foundation to agency officials wearing uh, warning of a growing surge of Chinese illegal aliens. Now look, China is not our friend. They, they, they flew a spy balloon over our country. I guess it's a common occurrence. They're building a spy base in Cuba, just miles off of our Southeast shore. This can't be allowed to continue. And we can't allow them to just send spies into our country either. They're catching terrorists down there. They're catching gang members down there. And you know, for every one that they catch, there's, it, there, there's, there's probably 10 to get through, right? That's what happens when you put America last. We're fortunate. I, I, I'm really hopeful for the America First movement. I'm hopeful for the Republican Party in 2024. I think that we're in a great position if we run a positive campaign, if we don't focus on the America last crowd. Everybody knows what Biden has done. We don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on the future. And fortunately, we have two candidates right now that are America first. They have America first platforms. Platforms. They're constitutional absolutists. They're free speech absolutists. They believe in putting America first and taking care of ourselves first, whether it's security or financially or energy-wise. Take care of ourselves first. We can't be taking care of the rest of the world at the expense of destroying our own country. We can't reduce carbon emissions and go over to alternative forms of energy at the cost of destroying our own energy sector and making energy prices go sky high. That's insanity. It's lunacy. It's traitorous, but that's what exactly what the Biden administration is doing. People tell me all the time, not all the time, but, but recently, I guess, I'm bit hearing this a lot, I guess is what I meant to say, is that, well, we all know where Trump stands, and we're going to talk about that on the when I get into the debate section of the show and my opinions on that. But okay, fine. 
We all know where Trump stands. They say, we don't, need, we don't need to hear him to debate. We don't need to hear him. Okay, well, everybody knows where Trump stands, so I'm not going to talk about Trump. I'm going to talk about someone else. Now, there'll be times when I talk about Trump, certainly. I'm, I, I voted for him twice. At this point, I still plan on voting for him again. But we have another America First candidate in the field now, one who is uh, a very successful business person. One could argue more successful than Donald Trump was at the age of 38 a more successful entrepreneur. And the dude is, his intelligence is through the charts. I mean, he's a spectrum for sure. He's, he's. Um, I haven't really found anything bad about this guy. Every single bad thing, supposed bad thing that someone's pointed out to him about me, I've actually, instead of living my life or forming my positions off of sound bites and headlines, I've dug into it, done my own research, multiple sources, and pretty much debunked every single one of them. And, uh, that's Vivek Ramaswamy. And of course, and the, the further he goes, the higher he rises in the polls, the more his name gets out there, the more vicious the attacks will come. That's politics. It is a blood sport. So while Joe Biden puts America last, this is Vivek Ramaswamy's position. I'm putting America first. What exactly do you think you can bring to this race? What do you think you can bring to this candidacy? What do you think it's lacking? So, look, I think that the thing that was missing in the field, the thing that pulled me in, is that I see a Republican Party that for a long time has been running from something. I am leading us to start running to something, to our vision of what it means to be an American, to the yeah. ideals of the American Revolution that define what this country is all about. And yes, the left is very good at filling the vacuum of purpose and meaning in young people with race, gender, sexuality, climate. I want us talking more about what we actually stand for, the individual, the family, the nation, God. This is, I think, actually much more valuable than just criticizing and playing whack-a-mole with everything the other side gives us. And I bring some unique attributes to this. I'm not a politician. I'm a businessman. I have lived the American dream. My parents came to this country with no money. I have gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. I did it while getting married to my wife, Apoorva, raising two sons. That's the American dream. It's not a politician's story. And I think it might just take somebody of a different generation to get this job done and actually reaching young Americans, bringing them along, reminding them why we have to be proud of this country, all the reasons we have to be proud of this nation we call home. And you know what? That's a unique combination. Somebody who both comes from the business world, but understands the Constitution deeply. Somebody who cares about this country, but who has also succeeded in living the American dream and who is young and a member of my generation. That's what I'm bringing to this that I think nobody else is. It is what gave me the duty to, I think, it called me into this race and we will see what God's plan is for us. But for now, we're going to keep doing what I believe is my part. And my heart says we're going to be successful. He goes on in that interview later to talk about American excellence and striving for excellence and teaching our kids that striving for excellence is a good thing, that we need to instill that back into our population that has just become, to a large extent, a bunch of zombies hooked to their electronic devices that do whatever the hell the government tells them to do. And instilling in kids that American exceptionalism and excelling at what you are doing and what you choose to do, no matter what it is, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. That competition is a good thing. That capitalism is a good thing. And they are. He believes that people, students in high school should have to pass the same civics exam that immigrants do in order to become citizens. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I think it's a good thing. He thinks that even to be allowed to vote, they should have to pass that exam. It should be part of the high school uh, graduation requirements nationwide. But the point is, it comes down to teaching and instilling and getting back to American exceptionalism and leading this world instead of following it. We're constantly reacting and following other actors around the world, other nations around the world. We haven't led since Donald Trump left office. And whether it's Donald Trump or Vivek Ramaswamy or somebody else, we need to get back to leading from the front 
Obama was a lead from the rear person type uh, as well. And apparently there's more things he likes about the rear. That's how the rumors so. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, the idea is, man, we need to get back to leading from the front. Obama led from the rear. <sighs> that just doesn't come out right anymore. Biden leads from the rear. And, you know, it's, uh, it's the way you destroy this country. If you took away the 12 years between Biden or between Biden and the two Obama administrations, do you know how incredibly strong this country would be right now if Trump were still in office? If Obama had never just set race relations back 50 years and divided this country by culture, by race, by financial status, by, by every means necessary. Obama was the most divisive president this country has ever seen. Which is sad because he had, he was in a position to do so much more as the first black president, right? And he squandered it away. Or maybe he didn't squander it. Maybe he did exactly what he wanted to do. I got one more clip here from uh, from Ramaswamy, and he basically, <laughs> this is great. Check it out. You know, you talk about your campaign. I think I've, I've just heard a preview of your debate strategy. You talk about your campaign travel. You've spent about 19 days campaigning in Iowa, 15 days campaigning in New Hampshire, only three days in South Carolina, but you've appeared on more than 70 podcasts. What, is, is this your strategy to, to, to reach voters? I'd say our strategy in this campaign is talk to everyone. I'm not running to lead a political party. I am running to lead a nation. Well, and so, so I've gone to places where people you, don't go. You are, yeah. you are running to lead a political party. You're running to be the Republican I'm nominee not. for president. I'm running to lead the so. United States of America, actually. I'm running, but, but this is a really important, Simone, is the way that I'm running this primary is a little bit different than the other candidates because I'm already planning for our ultimate destination, leading a national revival. I was going to mention, I've been to the south side of Chicago. I've gone to Kensington in the middle of Philadelphia. These are places where any Republican politician or consultant would tell you, you'd be crazy to waste time there in the middle of a primary. I don't see it that way. Many people might even say that about coming on MSNBC. There are other candidates who have said that they won't talk to NBC News because NBC News is not nice to Republicans. My view is if I'm not willing to sit across the table from folks like you, I'm not ready to sit across the table from Xi Jinping. (laughs) Did he just compare her to Xi Jinping? I think he did. I think, <laughs> I think I think that was a sly little bump. All right, Ron DeSantis, he, uh, he had his basket of deplorables moment. He called MAGA Republicans and people who support Donald Trump listless vessels. There's an uh, argument from his campaign. Of course, they're doing damage control. Immediately, they came out with a statement saying, no, 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 he didn't mean that. He was just talking about the, the people in Congress, you know, the, the MAGA people in Congress, not, all, not half the country. Well, I don't think that's how it came across, and I think there's a lot of others who feel the same. Check it out. Um, What do you make of these comments from Ron DeSantis? I don't know why anyone running for president would put down half of the electorate and identify them, call them listless vessels because they support the former president. And you're right. He and I don't always see eye to eye, but I call it like I see it. Why Ron DeSantis would do that while his numbers are tanking is really beyond me. And this is one of the reasons you're seeing Vivek uh, Ramaswamy and Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. Their numbers are on the rise. They are in the hunt uh, in Iowa, New Hampshire, and then there will be South Carolina but uh, the debate will be very interesting Wednesday night. I hope that all eyes are watching it. And we will get into the debate. And in fact, b- but before we do, I do want to, to be fair to Ron DeSantis, let's hear exactly what he said in context. We, we, we have a strand in our, in our party that views I'm gonna move up a little Trump bit. as whether you are um, a, a rhino or not. And so you could be the most conservative person since sliced bread, unless you're kissing his rear end, they will somehow call you a rhino. So it's been totally detached from principle and what you actually believe and results. And it's more about, you know, just what faction you happen to do. So there'll be people, uh, who are huge Trump supporters, like in Congress, who have like incredibly liberal left wing records that that's really just atrocious. And yet they're viewed as by, by some of these folks as like as like really, really good. Then you have other people, you know, like a congressman, Chip Roy, who's endorsed me. 
Congressman Thomas Massey. These guys have records of principle fighting the swamp that are second to none, and yet they will be attacked by some of these people and, and called rhinos. Uh, so it's just been totally detached from any type of substance. And ultimately, a movement can't be about the personality of one individual. The movement has got to be about what are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people? And that's got to be based in principle. Uh, because if you're not rooted in principle, uh, if all we are is listless vessels that's just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, th- that's not going to be a durable. If all we are are listless vessels that follow Truth Social to see what Trump says every morning. Sounds an awful lot to me that he was saying Trump supporters are listless vessels. And that's what everybody else thinks, too. They're not fooling anybody. Vivek Ramaswamy came out with a tweet. The real danger to our movement is the rise of listless vessel robot politicians who blindly follow the commands of their super PACs. Of course, he's referring to Ron DeSantis, who earlier uh, last week or later last week also called him Robot Ron, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, so so look, Vivek can get some... Uh, you can get some uh, zingers out there as well as far as as far as creating names for people. Uh, Trump calls him DeSanctimonious. Vivek calls him Robot Ron. But either way you look at it, his campaign is done. Here's a little bit of weirdness before we move on to what I think about the debate. Check this out. Now, he's wearing an earpiece because he's uh, he's talking with the, the leaders of Japan and South Korea so that there's translations that are going on in his ear. Watch closely. Thank you. This concludes our press conference. Please, please stay seated as the, the leaders depart, please. Please stay seated. Oops. Forgot he. <laughs> We're winning all the competition. At least, he went out the, at least he went the right direction off the stage today. Vivek dropped a video this morning. He says, three hours of solid debate prep. I wonder if Biden would challenge him to a push-up contest or, or threaten to take him back out behind the bleachers and beat him up. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I showed that as part of my weirdness segment because um, it's just kind of funny he put that out there. And then, uh, then of course, you have the extreme commie Democrats doing what extreme commie Democrats do, and that is destroying people's personal property and completely throwing tantrums just because other people have a different viewpoint than them, you must not allow free speech to happen. You must not allow freedom of expression. You must only do one thing. And if you're for Trump, you should be destroyed. Check this out. This is in North Carolina. Dude on a bike. Apparently, he's from California. They did finally catch him. But he rode by. Just no respect. This is an adult. (laughs) This is an adult. He comes back later. At least he tries to protect the flag. Yes, he set it on fire. Now, the rest of the story is that a couple of large platforms on the conservative side offered up a $5,000 reward for anybody that could identify him. And lo and behold, somebody identified him. They remain, they wish to remain anonymous. And he has been apparently apprehended. He's, uh, he's from California. So, I mean, hey, it worked. You know, again, it's just like the, uh, the boycotts work. The, you know, you get Anheuser-Busch, Target. Disney, look at, all, look at all these great successes. And then little things like this. Here's a guy being an absolute idiot, a moron, who, who is mentally whacked. I mean, he's this, an adult human being just sees a yard sign and gets freaked out and goes and sets it on fire. That, there's something wrong with that person. I'm sorry. But even on a thing, small thing like this, it got caught. Conservative social media went into action. They identified the person and he was apprehended. So kudos to ever, whoever did that, man. Seriously, that's, uh, 
that that that's good. I'm so glad that happened. But man, what a what a ding dong. So we're going to move into the next part of the show. And I want to talk about the debate. It's coming up on Wednesday. We also have the Tucker interview with Donald Trump coming up on the same day. And um, first and foremost, look, I want to encourage everybody, to please watch the debates. Even if you're an only Trumper, and I've been, I've been on this for a couple of weeks now, have an open mind to other information that does not spew from the mouth of Trump. Because believe it or not, there are actually other good ideas out there that are not spawned by Donald J. Trump. Now, look, and I have to preface this because it seems like nowadays I have to preface, anytime I say something that doesn't come from Trump, all the only Trumpers jump on. Look, I voted for Trump twice and I'm going to vote for him. My plan is to vote for him again this time. But that doesn't mean I'm going to close my mind to other information. I'm going to close my mind to other up and coming candidates that I'm going to close my mind to the fact that Donald Trump, one, if he does win, can only be in there for four years and two, he's not going to live forever the future of the America first movement or belongs in the future. All right. If you're short-sighted and focus only on one thing and ignore everybody else, man, number one, you're missing out on all kinds of great information. Number two, you're missing out on great people and probably opportunity to learn something. And the last time I checked learning new things, being open to information, being exposed to more ideas can only broaden your horizons, make you smarter, make you stronger, make you more articulate make you more able to debate with others when they bring up points that you might not disagree with. Arm yourself with information. Arm yourself with the truth. And a lot of that truth right now is coming from Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, I've talked about him a lot lately. And there's reason for that. I'm not the only one doing it. Okay, there's a reason why he's rising in the polls. There's a reason you're hearing his name more and more and more. Donald Trump has come out and he said he's not going to debate. And... um I, I disagree with this and, um, and I'm going to try to explain why now I can understand. First of all, the first couple of debates, debates, wait till the, till the, till the herd thins a little bit so that everybody has more time to talk. And we all know Trump loves to talk. So let's give him more time to talk by waiting till it's thin. He doesn't need to be up on stage with another eight or 10 people. I agree. He should not, should not be participating in this debate or the second one. I also understand that there are legal things to consider in that he is under indictment in several places now and that he has been instructed not to talk about other people. Now, Mike Pence is in these debates. What if a judge decides, you know, Trump makes some snide remark or he can't be himself because Pence happens to be present. And then the judge slaps him with a gag order or something because he went and talked about the case in public. What if they interpreted it that way? So I get that. Okay. And I get that he's up in the polls massively. I get that there's, you know, he's not going to agree to their terms, which is whoever is the nominee, you have to support them in order to participate in this debate. He's not going to blindly just say that. I don't blame him. But having said that, he is not above the process. And what I mean by that is we have a primary process. He, he says, well, you know, Ronald Reagan didn't compete in, in the debate. Yeah, but he was the incumbent going into his second term. Now, not unusual at all. Biden's not going to debate now either because no one's, you know, he's, he's the incumbent. But, you know, whether you like it or not, Donald Trump and the only Trumpers out there, he's not the, Trump is not the incumbent. And he does have some things to answer for that I'd like to hear him answer for. First and foremost above those is Operation Warp Speed and the massive transfer of wealth to the big pharmaceutical countries or companies in this country. I want to hear what he has to say about that. I want to hear a moderator straight up ask him on a debate stage and see, is he still going to double down and say, yep, I'm proud of Operation Warp Speed, da, 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 da. We got this out in a year. Or will he actually own some responsibility for the fact that it was rushed out way too fast? There's a lot of vaccine injuries going on right now that could have been avoided and that it really didn't do a lot to stop the spread. I want to hear him say it. because I want to know where he stands on that now. Now that he has history to reflect back on. Um, that's just one thing. I know where, where you have a, uh, a person who thinks he's above the fray, I don't need to debate. Um, I, I'm not, I, I, he can go out and hold rallies and repeat the same speech over and over again that he's basically given for years. 
And that's all good. And it's great for, you know, I love watching the, the rallies. I, I watch almost all of them. And once in a while, he'll come out with something new or, or he'll say the same thing in a different way. And he's certainly entertaining. There's no doubt about that. But the fact that we know where he stands, I don't think we know where he stands on every issue. And while we may know where he stands on an issue, a lot of the details aren't there. And I'm just being honest. As a Trump supporter, the how are you going to do that part? I want to hear that from him. And, uh, and, and how are you going to hear that if he's not, if he doesn't, someone doesn't hold his feet to the fire? A good, healthy primary and debates are good for the electorate and they're good for the candidates because it prepares them for the election, as, uh, as Raheem Kassam has said. And he says, I want to see a real primary with real debates, especially over the things we all know Trump got wrong. And I agree. Raheem, man, same page. Personal, for instance, I'm not sure why some people just want a coronation. That should never be. And this is what he had to say about it. I think the, the Republican base deserves a full and, and rough and hard and difficult primary because for two reasons, not just because it, it allows for those arguments to be had and those what might seem to be sort of niche issues to come out, but also it trains that person up, whoever you know becomes the nominee, it trains them up for the bigger occasions, the presidential debates, the campaign itself. And I think if Trump lacked anything last time in his campaign, it was that he didn't go through a primary, right? He didn't get to warm up before the big fight. Makes sense to me. And that's not the first time Raheem has said that. He's been pretty pretty consistent in that, in that message. And it makes perfect sense to me. And again, like I said, this time around, this time, he's not even the incumbent. And he's already decided and announced that he's not going to participate in any of the debates. Now, that could change. He's surrounded by a good, strong group of advisors. And if they feel that it's in his interest to go ahead and debate, that's fine. And he, and, they'll, and they'll bring that to his attention. Or, or maybe a debate's not the thing. Since he won't agree to the RNC's rule that you must support whoever the eventual nominee nominee is and endorse them before the fact, before you even know who that's going to be. Ridiculous rule, by the way. Um, how about a town hall? How about, uh, hypothetically speaking here, how about this Raheem, or excuse me, Raheem. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Um, Vivek, as he rises in the polls, let's say he, he rises way above. Let's say he gets starts pulling the 20% plus range, okay, which is very possible. I think he's going to go out there on Wednesday up against these other politically established candidates, and I think he's going to take a business approach, a common sense approach, an America first approach, and I think he's going to crush them. So let's say that Vivek does go ahead and become a strong number two, all right? How about a town hall? I would love to see Donald Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy head to head in a town hall. And you know, they're not going to have some leftist moderator looking for a gotcha moment. They're going to have Tucker moderate it, have, uh, you know, somebody like that get in there and moderate it. Um, and then do a one-on-one -on -one and ask the tough questions and hear each of them respond, particularly uh, the how, how are you going to do it? That's what I want to hear. And that's what has impressed me so much about Vivek Ramaswamy is he has not only a vision and an idea and a purpose for what he wants to do. He has a how, or at least an outline of that how on how he wants to do it. And he's just in a primary and he's already there. That to me is impressive. And that's what I want to hear more from out of Trump. And, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, he doesn't, Vivek doesn't have the same foreign experience. Well, you know, neither did Donald Trump in 2015. Yet somehow he did okay. I think being a business person really does prepare somebody well, more so than even being a politician. I think that Donald Trump proved that an outsider can come in who has business experience, common sense, and isn't scared to go in there and kick some ass and do things differently, what some people would consider politically unorthodox, and get things done. 
He was incredibly successful in his presidency. Nobody's saying that. I'm not saying that. Please don't take it that way, okay? Vivek has had a couple of things to say about Trump debating as well. This was back in June, so it's dated. And then I'm going to play you another short clip after this that was, or this was back in May, actually. And then I'm going to play you another short clip that was the following month in June, and you'll notice the difference in his tone. Check it out. You mentioned the debates, and you've been chastising the former president for saying that he may not show up at those, at least the first two debates coming up in August and September. You've also said you'll force him to debate. How are you going to do that? Well, look, Joe Biden, I think, is it is pathetic that he will not debate and his party will protect him from debating. Now, I fully expect to see Donald Trump on that debate stage. It is my expectation Trump will be there because, as I've known him, he's not a man that I know of to be afraid. He's not somebody who has made a habit of himself to be a coward. But if he doesn't show up on that debate stage, I think that'll be the best proof that the Donald Trump of today is not the same. Now, that was back in May. Okay, and he fully expected him to be there. Turns out he's not going to be. But I love that he's spunky. I love he went and threw down the gauntlet, basically challenging Trump to be there. And the only Trumpers will say, oh, you shouldn't call Trump a coward. God, get off your soapbox already, would you? Your single-mindedness, some of you only Trumpers, your single-mindedness and intolerance for any idea or anybody that is not Donald Trump or any thought or any thing that does not spew from the great Donald Trump's mouth to even expose yourself to it or, or try to digest it mentally and cerebrally consider it reminds me a lot of a Democrat, to be honest with you. And it's, it's discouraging sometimes. It really is. I guess I didn't understand until I started to build a platform and it's grown as I approach 30,000 followers on, on, on Facebook. And as my, this podcast grows on rumble and as I communicate with more and more conservatives that I've, that I've never been exposed to before the network grows. It's, it's, it's astonishing to me really. And, and frankly, disappointing that there are so many that, I would call intolerant, that I would call unable to open their minds up to other ideas and other thoughts. I'm not telling you to vote for somebody else. Vote for Trump. I plan on voting for Trump. I've been very clear about that. But again, don't close your mind so tightly that you can't learn from other ideas, that you can't at least listen to them before just discounting them out of hand because they didn't come out of the mouth of Trump. Anyway, this was a month later, Vivek on the debates. Or no, excuse me. That's what I'm going to close with. This was, uh, this was a month later, Vivek was asked about the debates. Check it out. Yeah, obviously, uh, Donald Trump is a powerhouse when it comes to the presidential campaigning and the debates. Have you thought about this, debating with Donald Trump? Have you thought about maybe what nickname he might come up with for you? I mean, uh, have, have you thought any uh, about this? Uh, That's not something me? that, uh, to be honest, keeps me up at night. He's, he's a friend. I respect him. I wouldn't have thought about doing what I'm doing now were it not for what he did as an outsider in 2015 and 2016. I respect it. But the question for me is where we go from here. And the good news in this country is that that's not my decision. That's not his decision. That's a decision that belongs to the people of this country. So I'm going to articulate a vision. I'm going to stay true to that. I'm going to stay honest about it. It's going to these people to decide who, are, who then becomes the standard bearer to carry this forward. Yeah, right. What's wrong with that? Uh, he didn't call him a coward in that one. You know, that was, it seems like it, he... Uh, initially did back in May. And then it sounds like he changed his tone a little bit in June. I think he'd still like to be on a debate stage with him. He certainly doesn't want him to be taken out of the race by, uh, by the legal issues and whatnot. He wants to win fair and square. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, can Trump win on rallies alone? Repeating the same speech he's been giving for years. Maybe he can, probably he will. But in the process, these other people are going to start chewing up ground. And they're going to start, as the, as the field thins, the people that aren't voting for Trump. And there's, there's a lot of them. I mean, look, we have all these other candidates. Yeah, they may only have 2 3 5 10% support, but you put it all together, it's 30 to 40%. 
Because Trump's polling anywhere from you know forty five percent to sixty five percent, depending on what poll you look at. So uh, possibly half, half of the Republican voters right now are supporting somebody other than Donald Trump. So that's another way to look at it. So as the field narrows down, and Vivek, as I anticipate he will, continues to rise in the polls with fresh ideas, with new ideas, with a direction to go. More people start listening to him. He starts getting more news time. Donald Trump refuses to debate him or do a town hall. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Hypothetically, it could. Stranger things have happened, okay? So don't uh, don't close your mind off to the idea. You only Trumpers, man, please. I, I beg you, beg you, please. Just have an open mind, all right? Plan and stick to your guns as far as who you're going to vote for. Yes, yes, absolutely. But not at the expense of, not at the expense of, of, of a, an expansion of your mind, okay? I don't know how many different ways I can say it. Hopefully, one way I said it today will resonate with some people and, uh, and you can go ahead and, and open your mind up a little bit. Here's one possibility. And I've thought about this. And I think a lot of people say, well, Vivek for vice president, for vice president. Eh, I don't think so. I think I would rather see, here's one scenario. Donald Trump becomes president and Vivek gets a high level cabinet position, maybe even chief of staff. I think he could have a lot more uh, influence over policy and have a lot more close time with the president to to mature into who would be, a shoe in for 2028. Okay. And have eight years after that. So that's one, that's one possibility. That's one possibility that I see. And I, and I think it's uh, I think it'd be a cool way to go. Uh, again, we'll see what happens. There's a, it's a long ways out still. And a lot is going to happen. And this is going to be a primary, like no other that has ever happened with the, with the way they're going after Donald Trump. Oh, and, and as Vivek rises in the polls too, you watch. They'll start attacking him as well. They already are. And uh, this is one thing they're attacking him on. I'm going to expose another mistruth. The, here's, what the, here's what the headline reads. What, what the headline reads is, Vivek Ramaswamy wants to cut off all aid to Israel. Well, that's not true. This is what he said. And he said it more than once. He also said it not only at this town hall, he also said it on the... Uh, on his interview with Russell Brand. And he said the exact same thing that he said right here. I don't hear anywhere in here where he says flat out, I'm going to cut off aid to Israel. There are qualifications. There are conditions that must be met first, prerequisites to even considering reducing aid. He is a huge supporter of Israel. And anybody who says otherwise is simply lying or a useful idiot. Check it out. Where's the microphone? You pick. Why don't you start with this gentleman right here? My name is Brian Also. <laughs> uh, will you we only choose Brian's, it turns out. Sorry about low audio. This is on the question. Stand with Israel in spite of what other nations do? Yes, and the reason I stand with Israel, I want to be very clear about this. There are many different bases, right? I have no personal, you know, lineage ties or anything like this to Israel. The reason I stand with Israel is because it's the right thing to do for America, actually. So here's how I want to actually see our Israel policy progress. I think one of the great accomplishments of Trump's foreign policy was the Abraham Accords. A belief that we did not have to hold an entire region and a nation hostage over settling one complicated old score in Palestine. To say that we can move forward and reintegrate Israel into other would-be friendly nations in the Middle East without having to settle completely that old score, that we can still move forward on the other fronts. So my top goal, and I think I can deliver this in my first year in office, is Abraham Accords 2.0. Let's get Saudi Arabia, let's get Oman, Qatar, Indonesia in there. This propels Israel forward. And so then we might get to a place where by 2028, when our current $30 billion commitment, which I absolutely, $38 billion commitment, which I absolutely stand by and view as sacrosanct, we may be in a place where if we've really succeeded with Abraham Accords 2.0, we've long graduated from the needs of the past where the necessity of that support had to be what it was. And so that's what I 
That's really what I mean. When I say support Israel, I support Israel because it's in the American interest. And from Israel's perspective, that's a much stronger commitment than somebody that just happens to have a preference versus a nation that says, no, 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 this is in our interest. What's wrong with that? Nowhere in there did he say he would cut aid to Israel. And the implication was he will reduce aid once it's no longer needed. And here's the thing is that the only way aid gets reduced, now he committed. He says, I support Israel 100%. He, he flat out says it. He said it multiple times. He said that he's, well, the, thir- the current $38 billion package that expires in 2028, he's, he's, that is solid as stone. It's there, okay? But if in the meantime, you can bring more peace and more stability to the region via expanding on the Abraham Accords, which I agree was one of Trump's greatest foreign policy accomplishments, Jared Kushner played a large part, large part in that too, in the negotiations. But uh, if he can do that, then, and it's not, so there's no longer the same level of threat, the same level of security threat to the state of Israel. Why would we continue to send them the same level of American taxpayer dollars is the question. Consider those who say, oh, we have to stand by Israel. We can't cut aid. We can't cut aid. But what if? And it's a big if. I, all right, I, I, I admit that. Expanding peace in the Middle East, bringing stability to the Middle East, American presidents have been trying to do that for decades. But what if it could happen? With that in place and having occurred first, then we look at, okay, what level of aid does Israel need now, under this new climate. That's the kind of climate change we ought to be looking for. And I see nothing wrong with that. Some do. You know, they, they get staunch. They get really touchy about Israel. And rightly so. There are strong feelings surrounding the Jews and the country of Israel. And, and understandably so, okay? Um, I've heard the argument, well, it doesn't, you know, we have to support them no matter what, that, you know, there's always going to be war there at the end of times and, and they go, you know, down the biblical path. Okay. But we don't know when that's going to happen. And maybe there's going, what's wrong with, even if the peace is temporary, is temporary peace not better than no peace at all? And again, these are questions and ideas that I think people need to consider, that they need to expose themselves to, that they need to cerebrally absorb rather than just dismissing them right out of hand. Anyway, hey, we've got America First candidates going. We got to get the Swiss cheese for brains America last president out of the White House at any cost, no matter who the Republican nominee eventually is. That's who we need to support 100%. Every single one of us, even if you don't like that candidate, even if he wasn't your choice in the primary, once that nominee is chosen, we have got to circle the wagons. We've got to, if that means you've got to plug your nose when you pull that lever at the voting booth, you do it. Because the alternative is giving Biden or whoever, what other puppet they put in there another four years to continue to destroy this great country. Anyway, Hey, thanks for watching. If you've just been listening on one of the podcast channels or on Renegade Radio, uh, make sure you uh, make sure <laughs> make sure you go to my Rumble channel. Please subscribe. Please hit the like button on there. Rumble.com slash the Nun Report. You can catch me on all the socials at the Nun Report except TikTok, so don't do that commie BS. And Twitter, because I couldn't get the. So on Twitter, I'm just at Nun Report. And uh, of course, that's my website, thenunreport.com. You can click into everything right there. It's really easy. Anyway, um, hey. Thanks again for watching, and as always, until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers.